Good morning. How you all doing? How y'all doing? It's so, it's so great to see you. It's really great to be here. As Isaac said, my name is Nick. I'm married to Amy. We've got two, three kids. Um, <laughs> I'm so used to saying two kids. Josh is eight, Kezie's six, and Lydia, who's you know, a bit busy now, is three months old. Thanks, Amy, for letting me know. She's two months old. She's definitely the cutest member of our family, second to me. No, I'm joking. This morning we're going we're gonna to look at John 15. So if you've got a, a Bible, why don't you turn there? Um, I didn't pr- produce any slides today, so it's not going to come up on the screen. Um, John is, is one of the Gospels. It's one of the biographies of Jesus. It's uh, one of the first four chapters, uh, books in the, in the New Testament. And uh, the section that we're going to read is often referred to as the Farewell Discourse. Now, John's, John's retelling of the gospel, of, of the story of Jesus, isn't in chronological order. He's kind of put it in chunks and, and how he's arranged it. And chapters 14 to 17, as I said, they're called the failed discourse because it's just before Jesus is arrested, tried, put to death, and then rises again. And so the relevance of that is that really John is trying to show us some key themes and the key teaching points that, that um, Jesus taught us. And so we're going to have a look at those today. We're going to look at John 15, verses 1 to 10. Let me read. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples and he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse 3, you are already clean. Say clean. Because of the word I've spoken to you, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Say nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. Say glory. That you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Let me just pray for me and for us. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we have access to it in abundance, Lord. Thank you for uh, your spirit, just for the time of worship. Thank you for our worship team, Lord, who... Lead us so sensitively and so well. Thank you for the contributions already this morning. Lord, just come and speak to us. I really pray that as we leave this building this morning, each one of us would be changed, would be challenged by you and your spirit, God. Pray for my heart. You would speak to me again afresh this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know it's three weeks into January, but am I still allowed to talk about New Year's resolutions? Because I... You know, for me, I, I, I love New Year's resolutions. I wonder if anyone here is a goal setter. Did anyone make New Year's resolutions? Hands up. 
Now keep your hand in the air if you're still doing that New Year's resolution. Look at that. Give these guys a round of applause. If you didn't make a New Year's resolution, that's fine. I've got some suggestions for you. I, I was preparing for this morning and thinking about New Year's resolutions, and I decided to go to uh, find a bit of ph- philosophical kind of thought on this. So I went to, to Twitter, and, uh, and uh, that's a social media platform for those of you who don't know that. And uh, I got uh, this f- a few on Twitter that I thought would be very helpful. They're ones that I've adopted into my life. Do you want to hear some of the ones that I found on Twitter? This is what our culture, culture kind of, you know, says a lot about our culture, right? I want to read some of these. The first one is this. This is the great one that I've adopted. My New Year's resolution is to not go to the gym on days ending in the letter Y. <laughs> it's a great one. Tick, success. This is a good one. You ready for this one? My New Year's resolution is to eat less spiders in my sleep. Did you know that we eat between six and nine spiders in our lifetime? Did you know that? If you dribble, it's even worse. They're attracted to the dribble, apparently. So I don't know how you do that. Maybe you tape your mouth up at night. I'm not sure. But that's a great resolution, isn't it? It's a good one. Anyone want that one? Any t- it's like a free book. Here's a free resolution. It's, uh, the third one, this is probably one of my favorites. Just got to judge the room, see if this is going to go down well. (laughs) My New Year's resolution is to not take sleeping tablets and laxatives on the same night. (laughs) I mean, I know you came to church to worship Jesus. That is wonderful advice. (laughs) Just, Just don't do that. That's for free. That's for free. We're not even talking about the Bible yet. That's just a free bit of advice for you. And uh, this is, again, this is one of my favorite ones. This is a good one. My New Year's resolution, this is all from Twitter. I could, I could have told you their, their, their usernames if you wanted. My New Year's resolution is to stop dating people who have the emotional intelligence of a baked potato. <laughs> now, single, single people in the house, don't date someone who has the emotional intelligence of a baked potato. Husbands don't have the emotional intelligence of a baked potato. I used to be that person, I'll be honest with you. So... Personally, listen, personally, I, you know, Jake says, I, I love setting New Year's resolutions. I s- love setting goals. It's, it's part of my personality type, I think. I find it very motivational to have a goal to aim towards. And this year, my wife, Amy, bought me um, for Christmas a, a wonderful journal called the Crazy Goal Planner Journal. It's a catchy name. And um, it's, a, it's a really helpful journal that kind of gets you to set yourself some achievable goals in your life. And uh, one of the things it encourages you to do is to look back at the past. To look back and think, well, what, what have you achieved in your life and in the last year? What are some of the achievements you're really proud of? But it also gets you to look back and think, well, what are the things you wanted to achieve but didn't? And more painfully, why? Why didn't you achieve those things? And for me, it's been a really helpful process and it's helped me to get to a stage of setting some yearly, monthly weekly and even daily goals. I'm journaling morning and night and I'm still doing it. 19, 20 days, what's the date today? 20 days in, three weeks into January, I'm still keeping it up and it's been so helpful. But I want to be honest with you this morning, is that okay? I hope so. Even though if you were to look at my life on the outside, 2019 would have looked like a good year, right? You know, new baby, life's good, great family, Tottenham have struggled a bit, but that's okay. It's, it was a good year on the outside, but if I'm honest with you, 2019 was a pretty rough year for me, and one that I'm very glad to have left. 
behind. And listen, there were many positives. God, God did some amazing things last year in our lives as a church down in Brooklyn, as a family. But if I'm honest with you, for large parts of 2019, I was depressed. I was wearing a mask, pretending to be someone I wasn't, and I was lacking in self-care. Now, that was my 2019, really. Ultimately, 2019 threw me some, some curveballs, like the sports analogies, and I didn't, I didn't deal with them very well. You see, for me, when I go through difficult seasons, when I find myself in a, in a tough spot, my default, my go-to is I try and escape and avoid pain. Anyone else like to avoid pain? Well, if you haven't put your hand up, this, you, who, you want to run into... It's a different sermon, right? I, my, I, my escape, I want to escape and avoid pain, and I do it through comfort eating, comfort drinking, and through isolation. I just, I just know that now. I've, I've, I've become self-aware enough to know that that's what I do when I'm not happy and when I'm struggling. And last year, I just did far too much of that. Hence the, you know, the bigger jeans. And... Gareth, why are you laughing? <laughs> I wonder if you can relate. I wonder if you're here this morning. Actually, 2019 for you was a really tough year. There's bound to be people in the room who it was, you know, difficult for you. Did it throw you some curveballs and you didn't cope with them very well? Maybe you're even here this morning and you're just like, I, yeah, I still can't shake the, mal- the malaise, the difficulty. I, ca- I can't get over my circumstances still. Well, for me, this journal that Amy got me has been so significant, not because it's, you know, it's not, it's, not, it's not a silver bullet, but because it's forced me to stop, to pause, to slow down and to reevaluate. And as I processed 2019, what God reminded me of was John 15. And if I'm honest with you, I've actually preached on John 15 quite a few times. I'm not a prolific preacher, but if, if you look at how many times, I've probably preached on it like six or seven times in my, my life in different churches and stuff. And, but I've always focused on the pruning part. I've always focused on God prunes you and it's okay, it's going to be good. But as I was processing it, uh, you know, God was speaking to me, what he said to me was this. He said, Nick, there is nothing more important for you to do Every single day, morning, noon, and night, and to connect with Jesus. There is nothing more important for you to do every single day, morning, noon, and night, than to connect with Jesus. It was George Mueller, the great missionary in the UK, who said this, The first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. You know, in many ways, this is going to be a very basic message. I'm sorry for those theologians out there. It's going to be a very basic message. I probably won't teach you anything new. Now, I think that's okay because as believers, our goal is not simply to amass more information. It's to actually put into practice the things we do know, right? It's why Philippians 3 says this. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again because it's a safeguard to you. Paul knew it. He's writing to the Philippines church. He's saying, I've said this all before to you. I'm going to say it again. And again and again, because it's going to safeguard, it's going to protect you. And I think as we begin a new year and a new decade, even, I can't think of a more important message for us to be reminded of than John 15. That our first priority every single day is to connect with Jesus. Morning, noon, and night to remain in Him. You see, the the main reason 2019 was so hard for me was because I stopped 
stewarding my relationship with Jesus. It wasn't because of my circumstances. Circumstances come and go. It's because I stopped stewarding my connection and relationship with Jesus. He said in, in verse 4, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? Nada. Nothing. This might be a simple message, but it's a vital one. Why? Because you never, ever graduate from John 15 verse 4. We as believers never graduate from the message that we need to remain in Christ. You know, one of my faith heroes was Amy's grandmother. None of you will know her. Her name was Greta Haig. And uh, she had an incredible life. She was a missionary out in China for many years with her husband, Gordon. And she was a doctor, right? So she took medicine to parts of China that didn't have it. They would, uh, Gordon was a pastor, so they would lead churches and plant hospitals together. It was an amazing life that she led and, and, and they led, led as a family. And I think it was in about 2006, Amy went back to China with Greta to visit some of the places she had been. And literally, I, I remember Amy telling me, everywhere Greta went, there was awards, there was banquets, there was red carpets. They honoured her. Because they were like, you've done so much for us. Amazing woman of God. So actually, uh, our new daughter Lydia, is her, one of her middle names is Greta, named after her. So much we just value her and respect what she did. But you know what? My most impactful memory of her is not the stories about her mission, ministry success. That's not what impacted me the most. And I'll tell you the story. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was probably... 2008, 2009, and Amy and I went to visit Greta in her apartment in Cambridge in the UK. And we, I remember walking in, she was sat in her old green chair that she always sat in, that was looking out the window. And, um, and she, you know, we made a cup of tea and we went and sat down. We just started talking to her, seeing how she was. And I noticed that she'd been reading a book. She's 92 at this stage. 92, right? And the book she was reading was, was by John Stott and it's called The Radical Disciple. I thought, wow. Wow. Still gets me, you know. She got it. She knew I'd never graduate from this. My number one call is to remain in Christ, is to be his disciple and to learn how to be radical for him. You know, the word remain is uh, meno in the Greek, and it means to abide, to dwell, and to be present. It's the same word that Jesus uses when he's talking to his disciples. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, you remain here and pray. You stay here. You stand with me. You don't depart. You stay there whilst I go and pray. It's the same word. It's the same word that John the Baptist uses in, in, in the early chapters of John when he says that the Holy Spirit came on Jesus and remained, remained on him. Right? It's the same word that John uses in 1 John 4 where he talks about how God has given us the Holy Spirit to remain in our hearts, to live with us. You know, to, to remain in Jesus really means to make a priority of him. So I, it's one of the, it's what I, you know, uh, one of the things that really struck me as God's been speaking to me is to make a priority of Jesus. Sean Boltz is a prophet out on the West Coast. He says this, to be holy means to love your relationship with God and protect it at all costs. To protect it at all costs. My main point this morning is that remaining in Jesus is not just the foundation and the beginning of Christian discipleship. It's the most important, vital, and ongoing thing that we can do as believers. We just, we just never graduate from it. Being a Christian isn't about ministry success. 
It's not about how many people you baptized last year or if you get to hold the microphone at church. It's not about how many sermons you've preached. Just imagine on the day you get to heaven, Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You preached 162 sermons. I'm so proud of you. It's not what he's going to say. He's going to say, my, we had it this morning, didn't we? You are my son. I love you. It's not about ministry success. It's not about how many people come to church. What these verses make clear is that being a Christian means being a people who dwell with Jesus. So the question that I want to ask you this morning is how are you doing? How are you doing with Jesus? Are you stewarding your relationship with him? Are you dwelling with him? When was the last time you heard his voice? Now before we look at how we apply this, I just want to make some observations about John 15. We'll make three observations. The first one is this. These verses are not about salvation. It's very easy to read these verses and think God's looking for you know, the, the earliest opportunity to out us. He wants to cut us off. That's not what these verses are talking about. Quite the opposite. And in verse 3, Jesus said this. He said, you are already clean because of the message I've spoken to you. So he's saying I'm speaking to believers here. Right? John Wesley, he summarized these verses like this. He says, All of you to whom I now speak no longer carry the guilt and power of sin because of my words to you, which have purified your soul. Therefore, live like it. Right? That's the, the thrust of the text. John Piper, when he looks at these verses, he talks about how he looks at other writings that John has done. He said, This can't mean that you can lose your salvation. Look at John 10. Jesus says this I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one, say no one will snatch them from my hand. Even later in John's writing, in 1 John 2, John said this, they went out from us. Right? There were people part of the church. They stopped remaining in Jesus. They went out from us. Right? That's what he's saying. But then he goes on, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained. So he's, not, he's saying, look, if people don't remain, if they stop remaining in Jesus, it's because they never belonged in the first place. What Jesus is saying here is you're saved. He's speaking to the disciples, believers, people already grafted into the vine. And so the command here is not to go and earn your approval or God's acceptance of you. The command here is to live like you're a disciple. These verses are about sanctification, not justification. The second observation is this, that the word of God is vital to remaining in Christ. Verse 10 says this, if you keep my commands then you will remain in my love. Commentator Michael Ramsey said, Christian discipleship involves more than just believing. It means hearing and obeying Jesus' teachings. And these verses are, I mean, you can't read them without realizing that they are promoting the, the vital position of Scripture in our lives. And you look at the rest of the Bible, Hebrews 4, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit. John 17, Jesus says that actually we are sanctified by his word. We become more like him when we dwell in his word. And of course, 2 Timothy says all scriptures God breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. If we want to be a people who remain in Jesus, then we must be a people who dwell on his word. We must be a people who read his book, who study his book, who do trilogy. That's for you, Gareth. We must, we must let this live in our hearts, not just in our heads. 
They talk about that being the, the longest journey in the world, the six-inch journey from your head to your heart. You've got to get the Bible into your heart, not just into your heads. We must take time to listen to Jesus and hear what he's saying to us. John Stott says this, We must allow the Word of God to confront us, to disturb our security, and to undermine our complacency. I love that. So first observation is this is not about salvation. It's about sanctification, not justification. Secondly, the Word of God is vital to remaining in Jesus. And my third observation is this, that remaining in Christ is actually about mission. It's actually about mission. Verse, seven, uh, verse 9 sorry, says this, This remaining in me is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I believe the most effective mission strategy is the strategy of attraction. That's why I look after my face so well, right? What I mean by that is that as we remain in Jesus and steward our relationship with him, what happens is we start to reveal the glory of God to those around us, right? It's what John's saying. You know, there's the stat that says you look like the five people you spend most of your time with, right? Is Jesus one of them? Statistically, friendship evangelism, friendship evangelism is by far the most proven way of seeing people saved and added to the local church. By far. In fact, if we did a show of hands, who, who was brought to church by a friend, we'd probably be 70% of people. Right? But this only works if you're a positive example. Who's ever been cut up by someone with a Jesus loves you bumper sticker, right? It only works if you're a positive example. Gandhi said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians don't look much like your Christ. The point of remaining in Jesus isn't just for me and you. It is, just, it is for me and you. This is the best thing for us, but it isn't just for us. It is the only way we can know success in the faith. It is the only way in which we can find peace. Verse 11 says it's, it's how we find joy, actually. But more importantly, remaining in Christ is about the glory of God to be shown through our lives. For those who don't know him, to come to know him. Right, let me recap. My, I said this is a simple message, right? My main point is this. There's nothing more important for us to do than to remain in Jesus and steward our relationship with him. There's just nothing more important. No Sunday service, no small group, the dishes. Nothing is more important than remaining in Jesus. And as we do this, let's remember this is about sanctification, not justification. We're not trying to earn his approval. As we do this, let's remember the word of God is just so vital to everything we do. And let's remember this is actually not just for us, but it's for the, the world out there who don't know Jesus. And so the question becomes, well, who, how can we apply this? How can our Monday look different from our Sunday? Well, I want to just say, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you think, what is this crazy British guy talking about? Well, I'd love to give the opportunity to talk to you more at the end, if that's something you'd like to do. We're going to take communion in a little bit and... Um, Maybe if, if you wanted to take communion for the first time or you wanted to learn more, you could just talk to me as we do that. Um, but if you're here this morning and you do know Jesus and you consider yourself part of uh, this church, then I, I, the question I want to leave you with is this. What is one resolution you can do this year to help you draw closer to Jesus? What's one resolution you can do this year to help you draw closer to Jesus? What can you do differently today to prioritize your relationship with him tomorrow? How can you take just one step closer to Jesus this week? 
It's a simple message, but it's a vital one. For me, 2019 was a rough year because I didn't steward my relationship with him. And I'm determined not to make 2020 the same. And, and how we apply this is going to be different for all of us. But you know what? On Wednesday night, we had an amazing prayer meeting here. And Steve Bowden was sharing about how Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Right? And he, 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 Steve was saying, I see God's going to turn the temperature up. It's gonna, it's, this decade's going to be different. And as I've just been dwelling on that this week, I realize, how, how can we make that happen? I want to steward all that Steve has said in the prophetic, right? I want to honor that. How do we do that? And I'm like, well, it's not by running more meetings. In fact, Steve said that, didn't he? It's not about running more meetings or having better coffee. We do, we do, we do that by remaining in Jesus. Individually coming and protecting our relationship with Christ and then coming together to seek him. Jesus, we want to just thank you for John 15. And I just want to pray this morning that you stir hearts, even now as we go into a time of of communion and uh, worship and prayer. Lord, stir our hearts, speak to us. I pray that each one of us would just be able to take a moment just to focus our eyes on you, just to hear your voice, your still small voice, to hear your encouragement, not your condemnation. Lord, I thank you, you call us to progress, not perfection. I thank you, Lord God, you just want to be with us that you love us. And uh, I just pray this week would be a different week as a result of this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.